In this part two of the interview with Kenneth Tan, we went more into his own personal journey, his personal reflection on his life that is summed up as having a rebellion for every decade. I love that. His open honesty about his early years of having learning the freedom of exploration to learning discipline, to grasping the concept of free will versus God's will, and the realization that, yes, time is finite. It struck many chords in reflecting how life expands for us in each phase. There is a constant reminder of the dichotomies that he experiences through the years, one that can only be achieved by a deep sense of self-awareness and realization, and probably a lot of self-challenge as well. We riffed about his choices of sports, picking up Muay Thai and sea sports e-falling in his 40s. It's a constant reinvention of his life, picking curiosity and courage over what others expect of him. And I can't wait to share this with you. This is the Rebel Curiosities Podcast. You mentioned before you know, that in your life, and I find this a really interesting phrase, every decade has its own rebellion. Can you share more about that? Every decade. So I'm 50 years old, right? So five decades. Every decade, there was, there was a symbol of rebellion. There was a symbol of disagreement. You know, disagreements come in very different forms. Sometimes you don't just disagree with people. You disagree with philosophies. You disagree with teachings or mindsets. So, so maybe I'll just share with you the key lessons that I learned in each decade, right? I think decade one, right, when you were zero to 10 years old, you know, it was, it was freedom and adventure, right? You know, I had a, I had a very, I wouldn't say it's unconventional by today's terms, right? Uh, where there's a lot more structure, um, you know, it's like young, wild, adventurous. During the first 10 years of my life, I, you know, part of it was exploring, exploring nature, exploring uh, the world around me, I also learned the value of hard work and discipline, right? So, so, so it was an interesting dimension, right? You had young, wild, and free, freedom yeah. and adventure, and you had hard work and discipline that was together. And I think that is also a dimension that has carried dichotomy. It's also showing up through various stages of life. Now, decade two, 10 to 20 years old, one of the key things that I learned, and I remember each exactly how old, 11 years old, I learned this concept of locus of control. And that was a very, very important thing. That means focus on the things that you can change and change those things that you can. And if you cannot, let them be, right? You are a very wise 11-year-old. Well, I guess school taught me well, right? And, and I guess in that point of time, you know, we were in a Christian school, right? We were in an Alsborough and Catholic boys school. I think the lesson there was do what you will and the rest is in God's hands. A little bit about control was also the part about courage. And I learned a little bit about courage um, probably at 13 years old. And there was a motto that was taught to me once again in school, right? It said the impossible you do straight away miracles take a little bit longer. And I realized that maybe a way to gain control of the environment around you was to constantly challenge yourself. Right to dance with the world by doing what others can't, what others won't, or what others don't. Right, meaning framing difficult tasks as a good thing, the impossible you do straight away. Attempt miracles, but understand that they're going to take a little bit longer. So once again, it's a dichotomy: understanding that there are elements in your life that you can't control, but also understanding that if you really want to control your life, you've got to push yourself a little bit harder and do things that most people wouldn't 
Of course, the third decade, you know, between 20 to 30 years old, that's where everybody fights for their independence, right? You, you, you want to begin to blossom as an adult. And as an adult, it meant making decisions. It meant that we had to make choices. But I also realized that, you know, whatever choices we make, it is important to understand the consequences. And to understand your choices and to understand the consequences, you need to talk to wise people. Remember the earlier part that your parents may not be the wisest because they might not have made those choices or they may not encounter those choices or therefore they can't tell you what those consequences are. And so making, understanding your choices, understanding each consequence and go make them, make those choices, take responsibility for them, but also take responsibilities for the consequences. And if you understand them very well, then you live your life without regret. You move on, right? Every then, everything then becomes a little bit of a lesson, especially if those choices are hard ones. They just become life lessons a little bit. Then as I went into, you know, closer to my 30s, it became very evident. You know, the world was always very focused on freedom. Even until today, everybody wants to be free, you know, freedom to do this, freedom to do that. But what I realized was free minds were more important than free speech, right? So it was more important to free your mind than to free than than to speak freely. Although there was a deep understanding of free will, and I wanted that free will, but that free will had to be founded on intellect and learning. Now, what I also then began to realize was while I pursued free will, a free mind, I understand that my free will does not supersede God's will. <laughs> okay? So, so, so there's still a respect for God's will, right? And you can do what you can, and ultimately there are some things that are still in His time. Would you describe yourself as religious? I wouldn't describe myself as religious, and I'm pretty sure the religious leaders wouldn't describe me as religious because, you know, part of that rebellion, part of that challenge, part of that disagreeableness was in religious thinking, right? So, so, so for people who find me disagreeable, you know, maybe the, 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 the answer to that is, I'm pretty sure God finds me disagreeable to his teachings also. <laughs> it's constant, fair, of course. <laughs> right, so, 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 so it's um, what, what they call an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's not limited to human beings, also divine beings, I guess. <laughs> That's the authentic self. It's, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know if if uh, 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 there's no higher power to disagree with, then oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so I guess yeah. you know, once again, it's about it's, it's it's about reflecting on your teachings and trying to bring them and internalize them into your life. And if you don't challenge them, you you don't really understand them. Yeah. So so I guess that's the that's 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 the journey, right? That has that is constantly still showing up, and hopefully showing up in more constructive ways. Uh, that are beneficial to the people around me, that are beneficial to general society around me. So what was your last decade rebellion? Was it free mind over free speech? I guess the last one, the decade that is today, I think um, God, my judge, is written in the baptism name Daniel, which means God, my judge. So I said, hey, you know, I'll disagree with him, but one day... I'll have that conversation with him. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, it's a difficult conversation. <laughs> that, 
date will come, it may be a difficult one or it may be an easy one. I don't know, which is why, you know, we started with, we don't know till the journey ends. Um, I think it's important to have strong values. But in the meantime, hold your opinions weekly. I think the last decade has taught me to value the finite and the intangible. That means things you can't measure. Things that are finite like time, time is definitely finite. So I think value these things a lot more. You know, they put that ahead. Relationships value them a lot more. There is still an aspect of unlearning. There are things we have to learn and there are things we have to unlearn. And unlearning things are equally important. And I think in the past, I guess, COVID, ever since COVID, the unlearning for me is to walk away from being an anxious overachiever. And I think a lot of us born to high expectation Asian parents end up being anxious overachievers. And part of being unlearning, being an anxious overachiever is self-compassion, right? And self-compassion somehow rather is tied to understanding yourself. If you don't understand yourself, you can't be self, self-compassionate. So, um, yep, there are these things that <laughs> we still have to unlearn about ourselves. Yeah. Unlearning is the hardest thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you talked about, like, you know, all the expectations as well, you know, that society and parents have on you. Because the common thing is, like, there are a few choices you can have in life. Being a doctor, being a lawyer, engineer, yeah. 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 or uh, a <laughs> Some people throw pilots in there. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's only this choice, this four categories, right? You either in front of them or you just kind of like go into the yeah. But I think that that's changing. And I think we need to be, we need to be that part, that, that, that change. There is so much more in life other than meeting people's expectations. Like I said, you know, we started a lot as, yes. you either choose to disappoint yourself or you choose to disappoint others. You pick which one you, who you want to disappoint, right? Yeah. I was about to say as well, you you are not only unconventional in terms of how you look at, you know, the, the decades in your growth and learning, you also choose to take up very unconventional lifestyle activities. Mm-hmm. And in case this sounds weird, actually I'm talking about sports. I mean, yeah. you, you do a lot more physically challenging sports. You have to verify that it's sports. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, you know, you, you do sports like Muay Thai and glide surfing. Is that correct? Oh, actually, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's foiling. It's e foiling and wing foiling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and again, those are not very common sports to take. Like, wh- how did you get attracted to sports like that? And why do you do that? I guess, you know, if, if you recall back to the, early, the earlier conversation, right? It's about the impossible you do straight away. Miracles take a little bit longer. It's about doing things that, you know, people won't, people don't, or people can't. And it's not about being better than others, right? I think there's a firm belief. I believe, you know, I, I talked a little bit about authenticity as a springboard to thrive and transform. To transform, you need to then be curious and be courageous. Yes. To be curious itself is not enough. You need to be courageous because curiosity is one. Courageous is to take action. Correct. Right. And then I also believe in not just rooting myself in purpose, I also believe in rekindling the deep passions. Because if you look at ourselves, we were so carefree, so happy. And as we grew older, the world put expectations on us, our jobs. We took on roles that mean, you know, some of us had choices, some of us never had choices, right? We'll just trust on us. And because of that, we lose, you know, what we were truly born with. So I believe in rekindling those deep passions. And then not just rekindling them, but also embarking on new pursuits that are transformative. Now, all of them being 
positive, right? That means they're going to add to your life. They're going to add to your add to the people around you. They're going to add to the world around you. Martial arts has been pretty much in the core of things, right? So, so when I was very young, when I was in my early teens, I took up Taekwondo. And I stopped. So I was very passionate about it. I stopped. I, I had my entire career whereby I was just focused on career, career, career. And probably in my 40s, when, when I was based in Thailand, you know, no best place, no, no, no better place to take up my time than in Thailand when I was based there in my role. I rekindled that, right? I rediscovered that. But I also started as a beginner, right? So, so it's a learning journey. You, you have this beginner mindset. You rekindle it. And then not only that, you, you begin to rediscover coordination, flexibility as you get older, core strength, timing, right? You re- I replace unhealthy habits with healthy habits. I use it to replace healthy habits. You build resilience because the foundations of Muay Thai is, the beautiful thing is coaches encourage you to spark and inspiring you learn to keep calm while you're expected to be angry and violent. And you realize that by being calm, you do a lot better. Uh, you learn to take a hit and come back harder. So all these things begin to apply in life. So it's about curious. It was about learning. It was also about being courageous, right? Now, C-sports, e-foiling. It was about, once again, rekindling a passion, right? You know, I used to spend a lot of time in the water, but in the pool or in the sea. Always wanted to surf. Missed that opportunity when I was in my 20s and studying in Australia. Then came COVID. Then came a technology that didn't require me to go to anywhere that had waves or wind. Right, they had this technology back then uh, that that's recently available for the e So it all sort of came together, right? It all came together, and I was I was apprehensive. I was like, wow, you know, I've you know in my late forties, you know, how am I going to learn how to balance, right? And it was a matter of like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll give myself ten lessons, give it a shot, and you'll be amazed, right? So so today that is my flow. That is where I'm most at peace, being on top of the water in the ocean at sunrise or sunset with nothing on your mind and just flying through the water. To me, I that e-falling, that time on the ocean is the most transformative one for me. It's when your mind is clear. It's an equivalent of what people would attain, the state of mind that what people would attain if they were meditating. I guess it's not just about the sport. I think there is just being true to yourself in these things. Having a passion beyond work, you yeah. know, it's an important thing. So, you know, if people think that work is everything in their life, profession is everything in yeah. their life, I think it's important to have passions. Find a passion beyond your profession to pursue. And I think that's important to balance out. And I can see that your passion is about pushing yourself, like, you know, out of your comfort zone as well. Like being curious about things, about possibilities, right. and then having the courage to do it, right? To try it. And, and I think the other one is also then how you can help others around you, right? Which, which, mm-hmm. is, which is the, the mentoring work. Right. Uh, 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 how do you help people find? Not sure whether we can help, but we can try. So let's talk about that. You started the Asia Mentor Circle with other senior executives in healthcare. T- tell us more. What was the mission and purpose in starting that? Well, I think what the, the foundation of it was, the four of us, um, I think we share a very, very similar passion because we have lived in this part of the world in Asia. We have worked in healthcare for a large part of most of our careers. And we found that healthcare still needs a lot of 
development. Healthcare standards in this part of the world still needs a lot of development. We said, how do we change this? And one of those things is, if you want to change something, it's all about putting good leaders in place. We said, now, who is the who are the people who are positioned to change this? And one of those things came to us was, hey, leaders of healthcare companies are well positioned to contribute to this change. Then we also say, but we want leaders of healthcare companies to do their jobs with a greater purpose. So it's not just about making money. It's not just about rising through organizations. It's about making decisions that are impactful to the PL, but also impactful to the general society because they can come together. You can do good and you know do well for yourselves. At the same time, we want the leaders in this part in Asia Pacific begin to realize that how can we help, right? Recognizing that we have reach these positions through a combination of privilege, work, hard work, providence, being at the right place at the right time, having the right advice from the right people guided us. And at least in my case, I realized that right advice from the right people who were truly only invested in me was critical to some of the decisions. And then we said, how could we then be these variables or these factors for other leaders in healthcare so that we can ensure that leaders become very purpose-driven, purpose-centric, make decisions for the long term, not just for the companies, but also for the societies that they live in and the organizations that they manage. So I think this 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 was what brought us together. I think all the mentors, not just the founding mentors, all the mentors who are part of this believe in this. And we hope that we are able to cultivate a generation and this generation will rise through the organizations and they will begin, the higher you rise within the organizations, you will begin to impact upwards and you'll begin to impact deep into the organizations. Also. So I think that's where, where our intent is, where we come from. We started this out of faith. We never realized that it would gain that much traction. We dedicated a lot of time. We dedicated a lot of time to it, but I think we enjoy it. Mentoring is a wonderful journey. I do encourage people to do it. Uh, it is not one where only the mentee learns. It is one whereby the mentor takes away a lot of learnings, especially if you have a mindset that you can learn from anyone. You know, not just people who are more experienced than you. Then there's a lot that we can learn from even very, very young people who are very early in careers. They teach us a very different dimension. So enjoying that journey. Enjoying the seeing it pay off, yeah. You now puts a smile on my face. I think that's that's that, that that was one of the greatest things that have happened in the past five years. And it's such an important mission as well. You said earlier, you know, especially for healthcare leaders, healthcare is there for a reason, and you want to do good within the society. Right. And oftentimes, you know, there is dichotomy between you know what you have to deliver as an organization, profit and loss, versus mm-hmm. you know what you have to do good in. And people joining healthcare sometimes, or maybe I should say most of the times, have to stare that down. Mm. So in having Asia Mentor Circle, being focused on helping people through that journey um, is a really important one. And I guess in looking at purposeful leadership, what do you think is that one thing that we should rethink most critically in today's organizations to drive that? I believe in this concept called principle descent. Once again, it, it's, it's the foundations of disagreeing, right? That means encouraging 
people to disagree. And I think we have a window of opportunity here because if you look at the way the workforce has become multi-generational, every generation brings something to the workforce. I know there are a lot of jokes about boomers and Gen Xs and Gen Ys and Gen Zs, right? But we have to realize that every generation brings its own superpower. Mm-hmm. These days, if you look at much, you know, look at many organizations, the generation that is in power, the generation that is in leadership is, is of a certain generation. And that generation is a little bit dismissive sometimes, right? About those, the generation that's coming in. And I don't think that that's the case. I think the incoming generation of employees and future leaders bring a very, very unique superpower that you can tap on. And if you don't tap on that, you miss the opportunity, right? And I call that superpower principal dissent, right? You have a generation that is truth-seeking and truth-talking to a certain degree. Yes, they might be influenced easily by social media, but there is also a certain degree of discernment, ability to articulate, and ability to challenge that status quo. You can tap on that, or you can be very afraid of that. You can put down that dissent, or you can channel it. Once again, it's about channeling it from destructive to constructive. And that's the principled way, right? So if you can bring out that principled dissent, that means you encourage it, use it as a way of unleashing the deep diversity that you have in your organization. Don't be afraid. Tap on it. It's, it's actually defined, right, as an effort by an individual to, you know, protest or make a change to the organizational status quo in a principled way, right? So it's not about, you know, it's, it's about being conscientious, it's about being constructive, it's about being objective, which is the where it's called principle. It's not just disagree with anything. It's not that teenage rebelliousness that we're trying to tap on, okay? I don't agree with anything. Right? It's, just, it's, 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 it's not disagree with anything that's establishing. It's not that. So, so, so it's defined by just being very constructive. It has to be instilled as an obligation organization rather than say, just, just agree with your bosses yeah. and then you'll get promoted. Correct. Just say yes. Do what you're told. And don't you rock the boat. Yeah, don't rock the boat, right? You know? So I think there is this missing, mm. right? Uh, um, uh, it's called positive dissent. It's how do you disagree positively while maintaining connection, while maintaining trust, mm. right? And being able to respect each other's viewpoints. Yes. It's not about bringing chaos into the organization. Correct. Right? It's not about that. Uh, uh, if you frame it correctly, you can actually tap on this because you have a generation that is, you know, that is, that is willing to call out yes. Yes. In everything we do these days, right? You know, we can always tap on this thing called the millennial sniff test, right? There's a generation that smells BS. So, so you can tap on that. If you have a strategy, you have a purpose, you have a vision, you have, you know, whatever. I think there is, there, 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 there is power in that. Now, you can choose to fear it or you can choose to tap it. So that's the curiosity and courageousness that you have to bring into the organization, right? Without that, you know, yeah, you can be very curious. You can learn about them, but you don't dare to tap on them. You got no courage. You, 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 you. It, it brings a missed opportunity. It's an opportunity to make us a lot more relevant as leaders. In wrapping up the interview, I guess I have a last couple of questions for you. What are you curious about these days? I've been curious about people my entire life. Been curious about people, their life journeys. There's a lot you can learn 
from people in their life journeys. Mm. Right, the why. That remains, I think there are just so many lessons. I, I was just told by a friend of mine over dinner yesterday, and she said, you know, I used to read, I used to read books, and I thought that books would teach me a lot. Yeah. She says, today, I listen to people because they are a lot better than books. I think there's some truth in that. So I think I still remain very curious. I think there's, there, there are lessons to learn from people only if they are real to you, authentic. There are a lot of lessons to learn there. I think the, the intellectual pursuits are still very focused on, you know, understanding the concepts of diversity, understanding the concepts of equity. Not just understanding the concepts, but how you can apply them to make a difference. What are the small steps we can take? Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think all these will continue to intrigue me. I think these two areas will continue to intrigue me. And, and I can see that in your philosophy as well. You know, you do strike me as someone who's a little bit no-nonsense, you know, very little tolerance for BS. And, and I think it just goes down to your personal philosophy of wanting to be authentic. And again, you know, you talk a lot about disagreement, but I guess on the whole, we all have to learn how to disagree better because... Disagreement is not a zero-sum game. It's not about winning or losing the argument. It's about being curious about the opinions and perspectives that you don't have. Right. And, and if you look at the, how polarized the world is, right, you know, you are either here or here. You're either with me or not with me. And I think that's, that's the world we have evolved into and that's the world that we don't have to be in. And we can take conscious decisions and conscious choices not to get involved in a polarized world. Last but not least... What does the term rebel curiosities mean to you? The world rebel scares a lot of people. It scares parents, <laughs> right? It scares leaders. Curious is a good replacement. But I think the difference between just curious and being a rebel is rebels take action. So I think it means, you know, being courageous, being curious and also being courageous. It also means being real with yourself, being authentic with yourself. I think it's a great springboard. It's a great platform. You can try it. Right. It's not about, once again, it's not about a lens that you challenge the world. It's about yeah. a mirror whereby you view yourself. Because if you can't, you, can't, you can't be curious about yourself, encourage us about yourself, then I'm not sure whether you can win or you're going to make a difference. Thanks for listening. If you liked the episode, please subscribe or share your comments. And to anyone else who may like listening to this, I'm a curious marketer by day and a rebel at heart for transforming status quo at all other times. I work closely with curious rebels to drive change and radical results in their vision for work. If you'd like to have a chat, drop me a note at pearl at rebelcuriosities.com. Till then, stay curious, take care.